Welcome to your Lot and Parcel podcast. You will find this program to have your best interest at heart. You can help us to continue this library of educational topics to help you preserve your home and family. As a nonprofit organization, we would appreciate your monetary support. Here is your host, Benjamin F. Diaz. The mission of my guest is to disrupt and reinvent the multifamily industry while elevating the design, the brand, the technology, and the overall customer experience. It is a revolutionary and affordable lifestyle of living, I might say, where your home life and your social life is integrated. He is the Chief Executive Officer of Norhart, and let's bring him on to our show. Here he is, Mike Keating. Thank you, Mike, for coming on your Lot and Parcel show. I really appreciate you taking time to visit with me. I think what you have to say is going to be interesting. And uh, But before we get into our, our discussion, tell us uh, your story and how you, what led you to what you're doing today as a developer, if you would, please, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for having me. You know, at a high level, what our company does is we de- we design, build, and rent apartments and we're driving down the cost of housing, really trying mm-hmm. to solve America's housing affordability crisis. But if you look back mm-hmm. to how I even got here, my parents started the business. And I remember as a kid driving out to the local hardware store as sort of uh, uh, the family outing. We'd spend a half an hour driving out there. We'd full up uh, multiple carts full of materials and drive mm-hmm. on back. And we'd be building these uh these small apartment buildings at the time and i, I really grew up with that uh-huh. which is great experience um and then as i grew up and i went off to college i i really didn't want anything to do with the family business and deep down i think the core reason for that was that i didn't want people to think that this business was given to me that i just was living some comfortable life and so i really wrestled with that for a while um really wrestling past my own ego but what mm. I realized deep down is that I wanted to make some kind of meaningful, positive impact mm-hmm. in the world. And so I started to realize that I could take my parents' small business at the time and grow it to something much larger that could have the kind of worldwide impact of really truly driving down the costing, cost of housing for everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Uh that usually is a good influence when your parents are doing something, you know, and you're helping along and uh, eventually that catches up with you as well, uh, looking back and what you've done and so forth. So that's, I think, uh, you know, you, you speak of, uh, of course, uh, as an innovator and a disruptor <laughs> in the industry. What, uh, please expand on how is just uh, disrupting the industry? Mm. Like, yeah, if you look at the past 60 years, manufacturing has improved productivity by 760%. Mm-hmm. Agriculture has improved by 1,500%. But do you have a guess of what construction has done for their productivity improvements? Mm. No. Nothing. I mean, 10%, but basically mm. nothing. It's horrible. Like, why do we put up with this as a society? And so at the foundation of it, what we're doing is we're taking the lessons learned from these other industries and applying it into construction. And we're Mm. seeing significant improvement as a result. We're already producing housing that's about 20 to 30% less 
in cost than what others developers can do for the same quality and location of building. Wow. You know, one of the first techniques that we used to do that is we started to bring everything in-house. So in construction, in the world of construction, typically your owner is different than your developer who's finding the site. There's a different company than your general contractor who's coordinated the construction, who's typically a different company than all of your subs, your mm-hmm. electricians, your plumbers, your HVAC. Right. And what happens then is those different separate companies don't always function super well together. In fact, mm-hmm. Many times it's the first time some of these parties have actually met. They get together for one project and they split apart. Mm. In fact, I've seen different contractors who actually have ripped out work from one other contractor right out of the wall that they had done because they were mad at them. Mm. But imagine if construction were to build cars. What that means is that the person installing the windshield would be a different company than the person installing the door, who's a different company than the guy installing the the, the wheels. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the wheel company, something happened at another job and they're busy, so they can't get out to you for a week and your entire line is shut down. And then mm-hmm. when they do come out, they're upset because they can only work on one car at a time rather than working on a whole batch of them at once. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's a lot of that friction that happens that bringing everything under one roof enables us to start doing things that other companies can't. Mm. Okay, that that does resonate with me. Um, being in the business uh, for so long, uh, sometimes you get too many players, you know, if you will, uh, in your what you're trying to accomplish, and sometimes uh, one will drop the ball, mm-hmm. and it disrupts the whole the whole thing. So, you, what have you done? Integrated the the process. Uh, you do the whole uh, uh, turnkey uh, project. Uh, how how did you? Uh, do that to, to, to eliminate that those those issues yeah so the first thing was bringing everyone so everyone is a staff member they work for us and they're working on our projects so the same team is working on every new building we're not reinventing that team every time um there's a lot that goes into it and i can give you a couple examples okay one is we take the lessons from manufacturing. So in manufacturing, they have a, uh, an assembly line right. where the product moves past the person and they work on it like a Toyota. They produce a car every 55 seconds. For us, we can't move the building past the person, but what we can do is move the person through the building. Mm-hmm. And so for us right now, every five hours, each team moves to the next batch, which is typically a unit. And so the plumbers are in, say, unit 101. And then five hours later, they move to unit 102. Five hours later, they move to unit 103. The electricians follow them, unit 101, then 102, 103. And everyone behind them follows. So there's this train. It's about 120 tasks long mm-hmm. from the first person literally shoveling the dirt to the last person locking the door behind them. And what that does for us is we're condensing down the space the work is done, getting everyone flowing together really well. We can take what would typically be a 15-month project and drop it down to nine months. So that's one of the techniques that we use once we have everyone under one roof. Mm. So that translates into saving, apparently. Yeah, right. exactly. And uh, talk to, uh, speak to the, the, the uh, these are rentals, right? Uh, yeah. Apartments, I should say. And uh, 
Um, talk about the square footage of the two, three bedrooms, four bedrooms, or uh, can you expand on that? Yeah. So we have uh, studios all the way up to three bedrooms. They range in square footage depending really on what the what you're looking for. So they mm. can be as small as like four or 500 square feet, but they can be as large as a couple thousand square feet, just depending on um, mm. what that customer wants. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. And how many units would you say in one project or one complex? Uh, what are we looking at? Yeah, we're building about 350 units per Is building right, right now. Okay. My goodness. Well, that's uh, really innovative. And uh, I, I think, uh, let me, well, let me ask you this. What have, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you have had along the way and lessons learned? Mike? Ooh, that's good. There've been so many challenges <laughs> because whenever you're trying something new, it's fail, 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 fail before mm-hmm. something finally squeaks out as a success. Right. And it's having that tenacity and willingness to get out there and try new stuff and realizing that failure is not bad. It's just part of the human condition. We're all terrible initially at what we do. Um, there, are, you know, I guess I can give you an early example of a, sure. of a failure because, uh, um, Early on after joining, my uh, dad passed away, not long after joining. And uh, that was really rough. And in many ways, at that time, I didn't know what I was doing. There's sort of some magic in that because there was sort of a tenacity and willingness to try mm-hmm. new stuff. But the city at the time also would agree with me that I didn't really know what I was doing. And so they actually shut us down twice. And the second time they shut me down, they said, Mike, you need to go find professional management to manage you. <laughs> uh, so it was kind of <laughs> rough to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had just a few days to find that management, which is never a good thing. Uh, otherwise, our crew was entirely shut down and would be without work. So I found it. Manager wasn't a great manager. So I'm still trying to figure things out underneath him, trying to make things work. Mm-hmm. And the city is just down our necks. And I remember Weeks before opening, we had a pinhole leak in our water main that was thousands of feet long, buried 10 to 15 feet underground. And that excavator did not want to stick around, did not want to find that leak. And I would be out there in my nicer clothes, standing mm. in, the, in the pits, trying to shovel and dig and find these leaks to help them out. It was just it's horrible. Uh-huh. It was early, mm. really early in the morning, late at night, um, mm. just emotionally beat down. We eventually found the leak in a few days before we're supposed to open. The city staff said, there's no way, there's no way you're going to open. The very last day, we had our big final building inspection. Mm. They brought out a half dozen or so inspectors. They brought on, the head building official was there for half of a day looking at every nook and cranny of our building. In the very end, I remember the head building official pulling me aside and actually saying, Mike, this is the best opening of a project that we've ever had. Mm. It was like, ah, (laughs) finally, right? Being told over and over and over again that you stink, you're not forgetting this, you're failing, you're failing, you're failing. Kind of what I needed so that I became better at what I was doing. But the lesson there is to not give up, to keep trying, to keep improving, to keep growing, because eventually you get past it and you realize, I've learned it. I now know what I'm actually doing in, in this particular niche. Yeah, well, that's great. Uh, I think what you experienced uh, there, uh, uh, well, I, I can relate with it. I mean, you have a concept and so, or or the framework, no pun intended, but <laughs> but then you get it down to the details, right? Once you're in that, 
Um, then you sort that out. And then after a while, I mean, uh, you, you learn uh, and you pick up on it and uh, you're able to improve what you're trying to do. So, oh, I, I can relate that uh, a whole lot, Mike. You are listening to Your Lot and Parcel podcast. We invite you to tell a friend and to leave a rating and your commentary. We thank you in advance. We are visiting with the Chief Executive Officer of Norhart today, and they are building a revolutionary and affordable lifestyle of living. By the year 2032, they want to be managing 192,000 units at a lower cost than anyone and be the market leader in their industry. You are invited to take a look at the recent projects, and that link you will find in the show notes. Let's get back with Mike Keating. Would you speak to one of your projects uh, and describe to us the amenities? And uh, I know you're in Minnesota, right? Yeah. T- t- tell us about that. Yeah. Uh- so you would think if we're trying to drive down the cost of housing, that would find that it would be cheap or not high quality. And that's a common question I get. Mm-hmm. The reality is we're actually finding to have some of the nicest properties. In fact, the latest project is the nicest, one of the nicest properties in the entire state. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, seven story uh, mm-hmm. building with three levels of in building parking garage. Mm-hmm. It has a restaurant, a coffee shop, a uh, like 22 foot main entry as far as the height of the, the structure. There's like uh, 8,000 square feet of amenity space, including oh, a spa, wow. game room, full movie room facility. There's co-working space. Uh, we have a fitness center. We have a rooftop patio and grill. We have penthouse suites that have 22 foot high ceilings and uh, floor to ceiling windows with views of Minneapolis, St. Paul and downtown. It is, it is gorgeous and it's exciting to also be pushing on that side of the envelope trying to reinvent the way people live mm-hmm. well it uh, sure sounds like it uh, mike I, I congratulate you for that i mean it sounds like a more of a, a personal residence slash resort <laughs> yeah yeah that's kind of where these buildings are heading to is they're full yeah. of resorts yeah so what's uh i know you're in minnesota do you see yourself uh expanding across uh Let's say the state line, if you if if you if you will. Yeah. So we've yeah. uh we've actually expanded across the state line. We have manufacturing facilities, a precast concrete facility now in uh Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh we are actively working on expanding our buildings into Texas because there's a lot oh, of room for wow. growth there. Uh we're working on building a manufacturing facility in um Mexico, and we have about 10 or 20 percent of our staff are actually international staff members and we've been doubling more or less every single year my goodness apparently the reception is good obviously yeah i i mean the big thing for us is our costs are so low that gives us a lot of opportunity and i think the ultimate goal long term if you think about it Mm -hmm. is if we can produce so many units get to a high level production rate in the united states just the supply and demand factors we're producing them more units than people are demanding it's going to start driving down the cost, not just for the people that live in our buildings, but the cost for everyone. And really, when I think about long term with the, the impact that I can have in my life, that mm-hmm. is the impact is driving down the cost of housing for all. 
My goodness. I think that's uh, extraordinary. It's, it's, it's a wonderful concept, I think, uh, uh, to meet the needs of folks, you know, and at the same time uh, be able to uh, contribute that way to the community as a whole, you know. Lately, we've been talking uh, or listening, you know, you sit down and you listen to the news a little bit and, and the Federal Reserves as well, you know, we got to do this or that uh, with interest rates. How how does that change uh, your your uh, model? Well, yeah. So what's interesting is because our costs were 20, 30% less, they often meant that the bank would fund, there's, there's nuance to this, but the bank would fund the entire project. And so most developers have to bring cash equity to the table. And there's nuance, but uh, mm-hmm. we'd have to bring money to the table to make projects happen. Mm-hmm. The So for us, it meant that finance was not our constraint. Our constraint was the rate at which we could hire the very best people in the world. We literally fight to that level. Now, with rising interest rates, that meant that spinks become more skittish and they become a little bit more reserved. So mm-hmm. before, when they would fund 75% of a deal, they're now founding 55% of a deal. So mm-hmm. our latest project is a $100 million facility, $75 million um, or $70 million cost. They're only providing $55 million. So that just means we have to change up our strategy. We have to kind of live, we have to, to morph with what's happening. And so we're actually launching an investment platform to help bridge some of that gap. You know, we had enough cash. We have enough cash uh, mm-hmm. on hand to bridge that gap for now. Uh, but if we if this sticks around for two, three, four, or five years, we need to raise equity or uh, other forms of capital, which is what we're doing now with our platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you change, you make adjustments along the way. I mean, uh, um, and that's part of learning. Like like I said, yeah. you you have the concept, and but you got to uh, adjust here and there to to make things happen and. Uh, well, that's great. Um, what is, uh, if I may ask, what, what is the long-term impact you would like to make uh, in your uh, with your organization, Mike? Yeah, great question. You know, for me, I think a lot about this because life is so short. I mean, we only mm-hmm. live like 5,000 weeks here on Earth. And I ask myself almost every morning, how do I want to spend the minutes I have here on Earth? Mm-hmm. For me, I want to make that meaningful, positive impact on the world Mm-hmm. And for us, that impact is driving down the cost of housing for everyone in the United States. But it's it even goes a little bit beyond that. If you look at the next 20 to 30 to 40 years, the demographics of the United States is changing such that there's more retired people, more people on entitlements, and less people actually working. That's going to bring, it has a possibility of lowering st- the standard of living for people unless... Mm-hmm we solve productivity. And so if we can take the cost of housing down by as much as 50%, so right now people are spending about 30% of their income in housing, if that goes down to 15%, they now have more disposable income for other things in their life to maintain or to improve the quality of their life despite the changing demographics. So I actually see us as having a meaningful impact in solving America's demographic change over the next few decades. I think so. Sounds like you're on the on the track on that trajectory uh, to yeah. help folks. Uh, let me ask you a little more specific questions, if you don't mind. These are yeah. uh, you can lease these these units, right? Uh, you can That's lease right. them for so long. Let me ask you: Can you eventually maybe convert them into condominiums? Is that is that possible? We certainly could. It's uh, not on our radar right now, but it's certainly okay. an option. 
down the, down the road. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. Uh, well, that's great. Uh, and I think um, I think you're 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 right on track. Uh, uh, what about pets? Can you have pets uh, and that sort of thing? And, and if so, what 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 facilities do you have or to keep a pet in those uh, in those buildings? Yeah, so uh, pets are allowed. We have pet okay. washing stations and and uh, <laughs> is that actually, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, in many of our properties, there's actually like dog treats and bowls sitting around for different pets. You know, one of the philosophies I have too is trying to provide as much freedom and flexibility for people. So a lot of times landlords don't like pets because they create damage or what have you, mm-hmm. but like let's, let's improve people's lives. And pets are a big part of that for so many of us. Um, another example, a little nuanced example is like most of the time when you go in to purchase a, or get a lease, it's like, I don't know, five to 10 pages of legal document mm-hmm. for us. Our lease is two pages long. It's like all of 20 sentences super easy to read, super easy to understand. And we just make things easier for our residents. Another mm-hmm. little niche is uh, you want to move in as a resident. Most properties you have to sign up for your internet, you have to sign up for your utilities, like your gas and your electric mm-hmm. and uh, maybe your water. Um, for us, once you sign up, you're good to go. All of that is done automatically for, automatically for you through the back end. So you can move in on day one and have what you need to make it a comfortable home immediately and not have to deal with all the extra work. My goodness. Well, it sounds like, um, like I said, uh, uh, very much like a resort. You have everything there. You have a restaurant, you see, or a cafe, right? Yeah, a full restaurant. My goodness. Property. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, I um, I didn't ask at the outset, but give us, uh, give us your website so that folks can take a look. I know you got pictures on there and so forth. What yeah, you can visit our website at norhart.com. That's N-O-R-H-A-R-T.com. And in addition to learning more about the investment platform, you can also learn about a new podcast that we're working on called Becoming a Unicorn. It's about the journey of small companies becoming billion-dollar enterprises and taking a look at the good, the bad, and the ugly, really to get a good sense of what it takes to get there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. I uh, I will definitely uh, put that on my show notes, uh, Mike. Before I let you go, would you share some parting words for my audience? And uh, you gave us your website. I don't know if you have a phone number or for more information for those that may be listening to, and interested. In, in By the way, you coming to California with that? Uh, I'll be there that, next week. Is that right? Yeah, okay. Very good. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, I would visit the website if you want to learn our phone number. Yeah. Uh, the maybe final parting word, just one interesting tidbit for anyone out there is the number one lesson I've ever learned in life is hire the best people. The best people change things. The top employees, they unlock doors that you didn't know could be unlocked. They sound expensive, and yes, they are. They are worth it, absolutely, and they will change your world. So that's that's the most important lesson I've ever learned. Very good. Yeah. Well, that that makes a lot of sense. Surround yourself with good people, you know. Yeah. And a lot of it, what you want to accomplish, is because of them. So, and uh, with the same goals, same ideas, same uh, make, wanting to make the same impact uh, that uh, 
because it all comes together. It's called integration. So that's uh, that's a great thing, Mike. Uh, yeah. mm. I congratulate you and I commend you for what you're doing, especially uh, providing housing for those that uh, and bringing it down for the folks that, to, to where they're able to afford it and with the, all the amenities where otherwise they may not have had the opportunity, you know, to have those amenities. Uh, my gosh, I, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, every morning coming down and having a cup of coffee. Down there. <laughs> so Pretty it's awesome. Uh, yeah, it is. It's so convenient. Very, very convenient. Thank you, Mike, for coming on your lot and parcel show. I, and I want to congratulate you again. It's uh, admirable, actually. And I want to wish you the very best and continued success, Mike. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Thank you for listening. The theme music has been provided by Echo Foxtone. All the opinions expressed in the podcast are opinions only and should not be relied on. For more information, please visit yourlotandparcel.org. We trust you will sponsor our informative podcast with your generosity. For more information, please visit yourlotandparcel.org.